I'm Ashlyn Keenan, and this is Private Education. Hi, everybody. It's me, Ashlyn Keenan, and I'm back with another episode of Private Education. Um, this week has been very exciting for me, I suppose, because um, private education was at number seven in the Apple chart. Now, back in the day, <laughs> that makes me sound like I've been podcasting since 1996, but back in the day, the first time around with private education, we used to be in the chart all the time. And I was always so grateful then, but I'm extra grateful now because there are so many, like everybody is launching podcasts, everybody, everywhere I look on Instagram, someone is launching a podcast. So it's very saturated out there. And I am so grateful um, this time around in particular that, that I suppose that you guys are so loyal and that you listen every week and that we are in the chart. Um, I'm just, yeah, delighted. And every time I go on and I see it climbing up, I'm just like, I get such a buzz. Um, and that's down to like you leaving reviews and comments and sharing in your WhatsApps and sharing on Instagram and all that kind of thing. So I would love the continued support if you're willing to give it. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode. It was really, um, it was a funny one to record. Um, Dr. Dre and I obviously talking about her um, former relationship and doing what we do best, which is mining her life for content. This week's episode, though, is with... Uh, an incredible woman someone I found really interesting and I found her she's from Chicago so I actually like she's I interviewed her on um over zoom her name is Sarah Dysak and she is the founder and owner of a company called early to bed which is Chicago's first female-owned sex shop and not only does she sell sex toys and they're like they're not they're like really high quality and very very inclusive sex toys um she also lectures about sex and she is a firm believer that comprehensive sex education should be available to everyone which is very much in line with the private education ethos if we have one um i haven't written an ethos but if we did have one that would be in there um so yeah i'll let you just listen to the interview i did it a few weeks ago um so and, and uh, yeah it was over zoom so the audio might be slightly different but um hope that's okay so sarah dysak i am so glad to have you here i i'm really fascinated actually by your kind of what you do and what your sexual remit is so just for listeners of private education could you explain what your job is what your gig is and um, the various things that you do just by way of introduction Sure. Yes. Thanks for asking. Um, well, my main job slash gig is running a feminist sex toy store in Chicago, which I've done since 2001. So that's, you know, obviously what the umbrella of my job is under that. But a lot of that is in addition to kind of traditional, whatever, normal retail store operations. I do a lot of uh, education, outreach, um, talking to college classes, uh, social service agencies, stuff like that. Um, So I kind of do some sex education out in the world as well as in the store. um, And I buy a lot of vibrators. (laughs) 
<laughs> for yourself and for your, your customers, I see. It's, yeah, it's my, I really, 20 years later, it is my favorite part of the job. I still love that the most, so. And so, I, I like, we're, we're here to chat about sexual wellness. And is, to be to be completely honest, sexual wellness, I, the reason I started this podcast was because uh, sex, sex education is, or was at least, uh, below par in Ireland. And I still don't think sexual wellness is... I don't know, is as important as it should be or is as regarded as it should be here. Do you feel the same way about, you know, where you are or how do you feel about it in general? Oh, I absolutely feel the same way. I think that our education system, probably like yours, the, you know, sexual education that you get is if you get any, it's very rudimentary and plumbing and, you know, abstinence oriented and stuff like that pleasure is never ever anything that's talked about. And even though I think there's been a lot of inroads for making sex education more inclusive in the U S I think it's still not, it's still not pleasure focused. I talk to adults, you know, all the time who've gone to college and they've had sex education in college and they're still not getting that sort of pleasure wellness focus. And then you talk to adults who are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and older, and you find that there's like large gaps in their knowledge about their body or their understanding of how pleasure is important or how sexual wellness is important. And I kind of thought when I started this 20 years ago, that we'd be obsolete in that department, like that having to tell a woman, you know, how her body functions wouldn't be something that we would still be doing 20 years later, but it is. <laughs> so it is still, we have a long way to go. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, you're completely right. And I think it, in Ireland, we could echo that, that uh, our sexual education was all about abstinence and very much like the logistics of things like this goes here, but don't put it there. And it was also completely, you know, um, heterosexually focused. There was no even discussion about any other way to have sex. Um, so that's kind of somewhere where I think it, it falls down. I, I really would love to chat to you about what you kind of think the pillars of sex of, of good sexual wellness and good sexual health are. Um, so if you want to just start like what would kind of be be the main you know pillar of sexual wellness for you um well i think of of sexual sexually positive relationship with your own body i think that we need to start with how we relate to our body sexually and that you know in a lot of ways i think comes down to masturbation i think comes down to learning about boundary settings um we skip over even if we're talking about sex education that's formal or informal or we're talking about with our friends or anything like that, I think that we often skip over how important it is to have that positive relationship with your body, to know what your body, you know, to know what makes what feels good on your body, to know what brings your body pleasure, to know what you don't want, to know what, and to know that things that don't feel good for you sexually are normal or okay, you know, to kind of have that. I think there's so much shame around sex. There's so much shame around, um, I like this or I don't like this, but I'm supposed to like this or I'm not supposed to like this. Um, and misinformation that I think a lot of people and particularly people who are, you know, assigned female at birth and raised female in our culture, they have a real disconnect oftentimes about, you know, they'll have sex with partners and it'll seemingly be fine, but there won't be a lot of self-awareness in that situation, or there won't be a lot of pleasure that they're getting out of it. And 
Yeah, I think that's a really important place to start. So I talk a lot about masturbation as a building block. You need to know how to give your body pleasure before you can really give yourself over to someone else to let them, that sounds a little weird, but let someone else give you pleasure, bring you orgasm. I mean, when it comes down to it, a lot of what we're talking about is orgasm. And um, I think a lot of people miss out on that because they're just not starting from what I think of as the very beginning as feeling comfortable touching yourself. And do you think then, kind of leading on from that the kind of aspect that you said of not giving your body to someone else to you know but as in whoever you do have as sexual partners the communication aspect do you think it's important to not only communicate with who you're having sex with but potentially communicate with healthcare providers or you know to be able to have the language to talk about sex is that important Oh, of course. Like I would say if you're, we're going to go to what's the second most important thing? Absolutely. Communication. I think that, you know, there's so many quote unquote problems that people have in their sexual relationships that are the result of people not communicating properly. There are so many people who suffer through pain, again, especially people who were, you know, same female at birth, who are suffering through painful sex because they don't know to talk to a clinician or a healthcare worker about it or even their friends. And so you know, they, they don't, no one's going to recommend pelvic floor therapy or, or whatever it is they need or loop, you know, like loop solves a lot of problems. But um, I think that we are so, it, and I, look, I've been talking about sex for 20 years as my job. And I started doing this because I love talking about sex. I've been in a relationship for the same person with 23 years. I still find that talking directly to her about sex is something that's awkward. It's awkward to talk about sex, even if it's your job, even if you're super comfortable talking about other people's sex life, you know, but it's so important to maintain those healthy relationships with other people, whether it's a new hookup or a long-term partner, um, or like you said, your your clinician, your doctor, your therapist. Um, there's all kinds of people who talking about your sex life to is going to benefit you and make your sex life more healthy. Hmm. And in terms of being able to communicate with your partner for for your own sexual wellness, what do you think are the key things that you need to be able to communicate to whoever it is that you're sleeping with? Um, well, I mean, obviously on a very sort of practical level, you want to be able to communicate safety, you know, what, what, you know, if you all, you know, if you're being fluid bonded, you want to make sure that everyone's knows what they're getting into as far as sexual. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Health. Um, but I think honesty about needs and desires and how things are working, um, I think is really important. Like I think people, I mean, the fact that people fake orgasms, right, is a real clear indication that we're not communicating that this isn't working. Or if you just moved over <laughs> half an inch, you know, like we don't want to ask for what we want. And sometimes it's just like, well, it's almost over. I'm just going to kind of go with it. Which is, I don't, you know, I don't want to judge anybody for making those decisions, but I think a healthy sexual relationship, you're not lying to your partner about what's going on. I think people are often more concerned about their partner's ego 
than they are about their own satisfaction. And I think, you know, especially if we're talking about cisgendered heterosexual couples, we could talk about layers of cultural problems and misogyny and patriarchy and how that affects all of this. But even in same-sex relationships or other relationships, it still can be something that we are not aware that we're doing, that we're prioritizing our partner or we're prioritizing the not having that awkward conversation, which doesn't have to be awkward. It's very easy in the moment of having sex to maybe move someone's hand over or suggest, oh, I would like it there. You know, I think that we just don't because talk about how to talk about it. And we're never, we're never taught how to talk about it. We've, no one ever shows us, no one ever says, here's how you have this conversation. Here's how you ask for those things. Because I mean, I guess we're not even taught, we're not even taught about the, the very basics of sex, Never mind how, how to have an awkward conversation when, you know, your partner can't have, make you have an orgasm. In, in terms of, would you have any tips actually for anyone, um, you know, of any gender who wants to maybe, I don't know, have the confidence to say, could you move your hand there? You know, like, uh, what, what would you advise to make someone a bit more comfortable having a, a, not necessarily a big, long conversation, but even just broaching those kind of things to make their, make their um, pleasure more of a focus or make their wellness during sex, like more of a priority? Well, I think, you know, I don't know how to, I wish I could fix that for everybody, but I think <laughs> okay. I like to remind people or, talk about the fact that most people who you're going to be having sex with are going to be hopefully invested in your pleasure as well. Hopefully that's the people you're having sex with. And if someone is trying to please you and they're not doing it, they would probably want to know what's going to make it better. Even though you think that maybe redirecting them is going to be an insult or something like that. Chances are they want to know. And you, you can do it without I don't know, being mean about it or something, but like, Ooh, can you touch me there? Ooh, it feels really good if you, you know, where to do this or, um, Ooh, I have an idea. Can we try this? You know, like making it sort of this positive thing as opposed to like, Ooh, that's not working. But although saying that's not working, I also think it's totally fine because sometimes you need to move on from something and you shouldn't, you know, suffer through it. But I think sort of framing it like this, feel, what, here's what's really hot for me or, or even just nonverbal communication, move <laughs> your, the hand or, you know, like, can I move your hand here? Can I, yeah. you know, con- consent is of course important. You don't want to go from like <laughs> shaking someone's hand to putting it on your whatnots. But I think in the moment, I think definitely like nonverbal communication can work. Don't stop. Please, you know, that's great. Like positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. I really like it like that. You yeah. know, I think that can be really helpful. And I think, but I think a lot of it comes to just people have to be kind of reminded over and over again that that's okay and that's good. And if somebody who you're having sex with doesn't want to hear from you about what you really want, that is someone to not have sex with. That is somebody that doesn't deserve you, you know? That's, and it's a really good point that you make because I remember a friend of mine years ago saying to me, um, she was dating someone new and she was about to give him a blowjob for the first time. And I mean, as in when I say, she she was talking to me before she knew she was going to do it so she was planning it in, in a way and she said to me she's like, just you know I'm really nervous I hope it's okay you know I'm I'm kind of she was kind of body conscious um she was kind of feeling a bit and I just said to her I remember saying you are literally about you are going to be naked in front of him about to have sex with him the only thing that will be going through his mind is 
pure joy like there's going to be nothing that he's not going to like about that and I think it's worth like you said it's worth reminding yourself that 99% of the time the person that you're going to have sex with is really invested and wants to be there oh agree yeah and and and, and again if they don't you know like <laughs> if you get that feeling before it happens don't do it if you get that feeling during it don't repeat that and if you it's somebody who you have a relationship with then you need to work that out like you there's no there's no person on this planet who needs to be you know going through having a sexual relationship with someone else that they're not getting what they need out of it no matter what your relationship with that person is and i think that that's really important i think that again especially women we're not given that agency from such a young age and even when we do get progressive sex education that's still not something that people really talk about very much and i think that we just need to keep talking about it we just need to keep telling our you know, friends, oh, this, you know, this is what I do to kind of do that. Like we, it needs to be more of a conversation, even if sometimes those conversations are awkward, but I think it makes everybody's sex better. Do you find that um, if there's not um, compatibility, shall I say, in a sexual relationship? So I don't mean if one, if one partner is more enthusiastic about it or wants to have sex more frequently or whatever, you have you ever experienced um you know in your kind of in your work or whatever that that something like that can be overcome through communication and and how you know how could someone tackle that if if that was something that was coming up for them because I know that can be a big um issue for a lot of people with sexual well like in terms of sexual wellness that you know how frequently this should happen for me uh discussion Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it is, I do want to acknowledge that there are, you know, there are people who just are not sexually compatible. They can be compatible in many other ways, but that can be a real stumbling block for them. But I think a lot of times, you know, we get so much information from the media and things outside of our relationship that we think, oh, well, you know, we're supposed to be having sex this much, or it's normal. You know, we use the word normal a lot. Normal has sex much, or we have a partner who wants sex more frequently than we do. You know, ebb and flow is normal. I think people don't talk about that. Like you're not going to have sex probably as frequently, you know, years into relationship as you did at the beginning. Life gets in the way so much of our ability to feel like we're in a sexual place or schedule the sex, you know, children, aging, work, stress, you know, all these things can have an effect. And I think when you are communicating with your partner, what's going on, you hopefully are, you know, because it hurts. It's it's not fun to get rejected, right? So if you want to have sex more frequently than your partner and you're repeatedly initiating it and you're repeatedly, repeatedly getting, you know, turned down, that's rejection and that can really hurt. And that there are ways, like if you can figure out a way that you all can talk about the sex so that it's not this like rejection, 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 that can be, make it much more positive. Scheduling sex sounds like the most horrific idea. Awesome for so many couples. Everybody knows what's happening. You make time for it. But also just saying like, you know, I have this going on right now, or I don't want sex right now, but um, I think you're really hot in the way that you look when you bend over. I can't stop looking at your butt. You know, like doing some sort of reinforcing that you're turned on by your partner, that you want your partner, but it's just not working right now. Or, you know, you just have too much on your plate or your body is not responding, you know? Um, And I also think getting creative, mutual masturbation, you know, if you can't go all in, um, helping your partner 
satisfy themselves sexually with is a, can be a very low um, physical and emotional buy-in for you. Um, you know, making sure your partner knows that masturbation is a totally fine thing for them to be practicing. That's not cheating. And that's, you know, some idea people have sometimes like letting your partner know that you respect that your needs are different. Um, but you need to figure out ways to work through that. Yeah. That it's interesting that low buy-in that you said, I feel like, I, I feel like if, if, if people knew that you could, you know, engage in sexual activity with a low buy-in and that that was okay, there would be a lot more uh, sexual activity with low buy-in. <laughs> I agree. Like we think sex has to be this drawn out thing that mm. involves, oh, and of course, you know, oftentimes it involves something going in a hole somewhere, right? Like there's, yeah. regardless of the coupling. And I think if we just, re- if we reframe sex to mean more than just penetrative sex or intercourse or whatever, and think of it as, you know, erotic touch, then sex can be, you know, what we did when we were teenagers, you know, like yeah. keeping <laughs> our pants on or whatever it is. Um, and you can make those boundaries with someone like I, I'm not up for intercourse tonight, but I would totally make out on the couch with you for 20 minutes before I have to (laughs) do whatever's next or whatever, you know? Um, and I think again, that partners who are invested in each other's happiness, hopefully can find ways to work through that. Mm -hmm. And then there's always, you know, therapy, which can be helpful. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Um, when you have a real disconnect. But I think there's ways through it for, for most people who are experiencing it. And it's normal. It happens yeah. to <laughs> most couples at some point or another. When I suppose the honeymoon period wears off in a relationship, you know, because obviously when, you know, it's it's a few years down the line and uh not that things have fizzled I I feel like there's there's definitely you know you can still like them as much you can still find them as attractive but like you said life gets in the way responsibilities stress you know uh, you know grief you know there's a whole raft of things that get in the way what mm-hmm. you know and, and maybe there's a there's a dry spell is there a way of I suppose talking your way out of that like you know communicating to your partner that yes you know you're in a dry spell because I sometimes feel like when people get into dry spells they just shut down about it because they're both so conscious of oh my god we hadn't haven't had sex in this amount of time and then another week goes by and it's oh now we haven't done it in this amount of time 
is there a way to kind of um do you have any kind of tips for breaking that cycle and just getting back in there with the communication and and making it less of a you know an elephant in the room yeah and I mean unfortunately that I think you just have to talk about it right like you I think remembering that you can go as long as you're going without having sex and you know, your parts are still going to work six months later, three months later, whatever it is, a year later. You're like, you know, and I've known healthy couples who've gone months and months without having sex for various reasons. And that, you know, you can get back into it. You just have to oftentimes make a conscious effort because it becomes something that gets sidelined. And then it's really easy sometimes for it to just stay there, for it to not become a priority. Um, so I think that saying, okay, well, we need to set a date. Like we need to um, do whatever we need to do in our house or our life to change what's happening so that we can have sex once. And sometimes when you do that, you're like, oh, <laughs> this is so easy. And it was, you know, fun and we liked it. And why are we making it this big deal? Because it becomes a bigger and bigger elephant, right? The longer you go without doing it. Honestly, for us, it's getting our kid out of the house for the night and, having a sleepover with someone and then we're like okay let's we have a whole night to ourselves to kind of really take the pressure off but also we go into this knowing what we're hoping to accomplish it um it's not sexy in the sort of r-rated movie kind of fall into bed together way but it's healthy in the sense that it's making a priority of something that you've kind of you know let go on the back burner for a while but sometimes you need that real dedication and both of you have to put that effort yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it takes work after, uh, after the honeymoon period, it does become, and I, I don't, I don't like to associate the word work with sex because you know, right. but it becomes, you do have to put effort in and it does become something that has to, that takes, you know, as much planning as the logistics of the rest of your life, I suppose. Um, I'm interested to know how you feel about code words um, because a lot of couples, I think, struggle with, I suppose, I guess, saying the real words for things like masturbate or, you know, intercourse or mm. whatever it is. How do you feel if, if there are, you know, partners that are struggling with communication about sex or or struggling to plan it in or struggling to, you know, whatever it is around doing it? Um, how do you feel about them using code words to indicate you know how they're feeling or um what they're you know what they might like or what they when they might like it how do you how do you feel about that do you think just skip it entirely and use the real words or do you think that people can water it down a little bit that way to make it a bit easier oh I mean I think we should teach children the real words for everything you know I think that we should all it's like cooking you know I think you got to do the recipe once it's not really at all like cooking, but that, you know, then you can riff on it. Like if you can establish that when you say, um, I don't know, go to town, you mean full on sexual intercourse or something, yeah. then use what language works for you. I mean, have that established sense that you both know what you talk about, what you're talking about. Hopefully you both know what everything is really called by you know the time you're adults. Um, but I think that can be incredibly helpful. Like, do you want to go to second base tonight? Or, you know, like what language makes you feel comfortable, especially if it's between two people, there's, you know, you're not teaching anybody in that moment. You're not, you know, you don't have to worry about censors of whatever TV, you know, there's nothing that you have to worry about except for what's going on between the two of you. So whatever language works for the two of you, whether it's really 
um, light language, really, you know, you're trying to be as vague as possible, or maybe even just having or being a really dirty language that can be a, a, you know, the dirty talk can be part of the sexual experience for some people. So I'm all for it if it works for you, um, especially if you both know what you're talking about. You just don't want to have any miscommunication yeah, about that. Absolutely. Do you, I don't want to um, dwell on the old pandemic thing, but do you think mm. in your experience that, has, <laughs> how can you not dwell on the pandemic? How can you not dwell on it? But do you think that over the course of the pandemic that people's sexual wellness in general has taken a hit? Because I, I feel like it has, kind of anecdotally, I feel like it has. How do you feel? Oh, yes. I think that, you know, it's interesting because, you know, from a retailer perspective, <laughs> um, the beginning of the pandemic, I think we definitely saw people, oh, we're hunkered down, we're home, we're going to have sex, we're going to try new things. There was, you know, new categories of sex toys we were selling that were rocket skyrocketing in ways we hadn't seen before. And then I think, you know, this has been two years now, right? At least here. And I think that people are, you know, oftentimes there's a, I mean, there's a a fatigue for lots of people. There's disconnect people whose sexual lives were um, reliant on meeting new people. That's been really hard for lots of people. I think that we're also just, even if you separate it from sex, we're depressed, we're stressed, we're, you know, not for some of us, not really seeing a way out. We're, it's not the over yet, you know. Yeah. And I think that it's totally normal that that impacts your sex life because it impacts your life. Um, and I think we have seen, I think you know, we've seen people. I think use that time creatively, but I think especially now we're also seeing people who, lots of people who just find that they're exhausted and sex is the last thing on their mind. And you know. I get it. It's normal. It's, this has been a real messed up couple of years. And for some people just surviving has been way more important than pleasure. Um, And it's hopefully we'll move out of it, but it makes sense to me that that's what a lot of people are still feeling. And I feel like, I mean, one of the, probably one of the biggest impediments, I suppose, to sexual wellness is stress and if the pandemic hasn't put an enormous amount of stress on every single one of us, it has done nothing because I really think, you know, it's, it is difficult to feel well in general, but particularly with something like sexual wellness, when that level of, of kind of just underlying stress exists for all of us. Um, do you think in general that improving or trying to improve your own stress levels can help you have a more fulfilled fulfilling sex life I think absolutely I think that you're very right on that you know from my I mean you know I'm not a doctor or a therapist (laughs) but from my anecdotal experience and my existence as a human on this earth um you know we all know stress can impact so many facets of our life and I think when you're stressed out, you're distracted. You're not in touch with your body. You're not relaxed. Um, It's sort of the opposite of it. And I think that the last thing a lot of times you want is to have to, you can't get out of that, that cycle of stress and you can't relax into sex. You can't enjoy sex. Um, Your body often doesn't respond. You know, you're not, you, if you have a penis, you may have trouble getting an erection. If you're have a vagina and vulva, you might struggle to 
you know, produce wetness. Like there's a lot of in your, your body just is like, no, yeah. <laughs> I've got other, you know, all my energy is in my head. Um, and I think, you know, getting out of stress is, I mean, whatever, this is everyone's focus for the whole yeah. <laughs> world all the time is how do we reduce stress? Sexual release can be an amazing stress relief, mm. actually, like having an orgasm. If you're able to like rub one off or pull one out or whatever, it can be really good. But that's very different than trying to like have fulfilling sex with another person. Mm. Yeah. But again, talking about it, working through it with a partner can be really helpful. Finding ways to distress can, it's going to just make your life better in general across the board, right? I want to ask you about sex toys because, so for anyone listening who doesn't know, your website is earlytobed.com and that's early two with the number two bed.com and you sell sex toys. And I'm just, I'm, I've been, I've been on your website. I've been having a look. I need to ask you tons of questions. The first of all, the magic is it? What's it called? Magic? I think it's called the magic rechargeable wand. It kind of looks like a back massager. <laughs> yeah. Do people buy that because it looks like a back massager, and they could potentially say that's actually a back massager, not a vibrator? <laughs> well, sure. So I, I, you're, um, I'm thinking you're talking about the magic wand, which has been yes. like the sort yeah, of symbol true. of yeah. sexual liberation for people for you know. 40 years or something like that. Um, it does. It looks like it's got a big round head and then it, it has a large body that you hold on to. And it's was made and marketed as a back massager. And I think it's twofold. I think there's definitely people, I mean, who want something that's very discreet, who they, if their cleaning person finds it or their partner finds it, they can say, oh yeah, that's just for my back. Um, and I'm all for that. You know, you do not have to have something that looks like what people think a sex toy looks like. Um, but to be perfectly honest, a lot of people go for that toy or that style of toy too because they are powerhouses. Okay. And for some people, they need a jackhammer. You know, there's people who want a light whisper and there's people who want a jackhammer and there's people who want different things at different times. Um, but discretion is something that comes up a lot. And so people are often looking for something that either doesn't look like a sex or what they think a sex toy looks like. Or that could be, oh yeah, no, that's just my toothbrush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> A terrible vibrator. Toothbrushes make terrible vibrators. But (laughs) and in terms of the other, so I'd love to know, like, are there any kind of trends that you see, or like, what is your like, what is your bestseller, for instance? Well, the aforementioned magic wand is our historically our bestseller, but we've seen a lot, especially in the last two years, we've seen a lot of people um, getting more interested in vibrators and sex toys that can be used via Bluetooth apps on your phone so that you can actually invite a partner who's not with you in the room to manipulate your toy, turn it on and off. So there's, that was kind of a thing, especially during lockdown where people were using that to pleasure each other, which was kind of fun. Um, there's also, there's some new technologies like the, called the Air Pulse, which is sort of a general term for it. There's different trademark names that are real specific clitoral stimulators that don't really touch the clitoris, but they create this pulse of air around it, which for some people results in like really strong, really fast orgasms. And that's kind of like the new kid on the block as far as um, sex toys are concerned. But um, it's been interesting, like during the last two years, we've definitely seen a surge of when it comes to couples, like 
trying a lot more um, strap-on action, okay. which has been interesting. And kink, kink is something that really, I think, um, you know, it, it, it always ebbs and flows as far as the cultural relationship to it, but it's something too that I think stuck at home people were pushing more boundaries, which was interesting to see. I've never seen, I mean, I've, I've obviously I've gone on to sex toy website, websites for, um, I, I once actually, I was the kind of coordinator of a sex toy awards, um, a few years back. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I got a load of different kinds of ones and I gave them to friends of mine um and they tried them and rated them and gave me feedback and it was it was really interesting actually but I going on your website I had never seen such a variation like there's one I remember seeing one that looked like a leaf or a star or something and then there was one that looked like kind of a caterpillar like there's there's (laughs) there's so much going on there that I actually I there was one in particular that I looked at and I was like I'm gonna ask her about that it's what is the trans mask pump deluxe, please? Okay, so, and this is our, this is a very interesting sort of, so I got into this business to sell vibrators, basically, because that's, you know, my passion. Mm-hmm. But quickly, especially because I come from a queer community, we were serving a lot of trans uh, gender clients, particularly trans masculine clients. Mm-hmm. So, um, because where else do you go to a sex toy store to, but to buy a, your prosthetic penis and such like that? Um, and over the past couple, so we've always had this as a large part of our clientele. Um, and the industry has, you know, most of the products that have been come out for, for trans clients in particular, for trans people in particular, have been made by small little companies, you know, boutique businesses and people's homes and whatever, making products they wanted for their own bodies. But the past few years has been this explosion of mainstream sex toy industry, which isn't super mainstream, but the mainstream sex toy industry recognizing specific needs of trans individuals mm-hmm. when it comes to sex toys and especially trans men. And so the trans mass pump is a is a clitoral pump basically that is specifically designed and and marketed towards trans masculine men so people who are assigned female at birth who are on testosterone and who pump their clitoris which can help engorge it and make it bigger and bigger than um someone assigned you know, female birth who isn't taking testosterone. Um, and so that's, it's not, it's, it's interesting because it kind of is a pleasure item and it feels good. Um, as anybody with a bits will tell you, sometimes drawing air around your bits will feel really good, but also it's kind of a device to help people feel more embodied in their gender. So it kind of bridges that, I don't know if there's a gap there, but it bridges those two it has those, uses. Yeah, those, those two functions. It's really interesting. Yeah. And you have dilator sets uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Explain to me what the, the kind of purpose of those is or what somebody might use one for. Well, dilator sets, again, that's something that, you know, a few years ago, there are, well, it's very different than what I'm saying, but like a few years ago, those are more of a medical device. So, either somebody who is suffering from uh, pelvic pain, uh, vulvodynia, whatever, there's many different kinds of um, conditions that can cause someone to have pain with having their vagina penetrated at all. Also, trans women who have gender confirming surgery where they have a a vagina created um, need to dilate in order to keep that healthy. Um, So 
they used to be a very kind of medical thing and very expensive. And then, you know, a few years ago, I think sex toy manufacturers were like, wait, these are like dildos that don't <laughs> have a lot going yeah. on. So they started to become something that is much more accessible. And so, and they're also good for people. Like, let's just say maybe you're new to penetrative sex and it's not as comfortable as you want it to be using a dilator kit, which is like a, you know, a series of basically really basic dildos um, in varying in graduated sizes um, can help people just feel more comfortable to take, you know, if you're anxious about having a penis in your vagina, let's say that's coming, you know, that can help you to kind of work your way up to that if you're, um, and that can do a lot to make sex more comfortable. But we're also seeing more and more people just diagnosed with or seeking remedies for pelvic um, and vaginal pain. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think it's a good, I think it's a bad sign that this is such a problem, but I think it's a good sign that women aren't suffering. Yeah, that they want to do something about it. Through this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think about my mom's generation, right? So I'm like, so she's in her seventies. Like, I, I can't imagine that people, you know, that, that her generation, when they were our, our age in their forties, were seeking remedies for suffering through painful penetration. They were just... They were just dealing yeah. with it, you know, and I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's great that we're talking about it, that these things are becoming more mainstream, that they're helping people, that they're helping people in an affordable way. Um, so that's, we really do like, of course we sell fun toys for sex, but we really like that we're able to also sell and talk to people about sexual health items mm -hmm. like dilators, yes. like pumping kits, like, you know, erection enhancement, um, cushions to make even like vulva cushions to make just existing in the world with pants more comfortable. Um, but that can also make other things more comfortable. So yeah, we, we try to, I don't know, do as much of that as we do this, the full on it, fun stuff. It is, it is like when I was going through, like it is, it is all about sexual wellness. You definitely get, I, I definitely got the sense that instead of like, I mean, obviously pleasure is important, but instead of just pleasure, you are there to assist in any way that you can with products that will help at, like so many different aspects of of someone's sex life and individual sex life so um yeah I found it really uh, interesting it's it's there's such a diverse like selection of of um things that you can look at there and it's just even to just have a look through I found it kind of informed me a bit more about what other people might need or want or go through uh, mm -hmm. in 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 terms of their sex lives that's you know it's really interesting um thank you so much Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. I really, really appreciate it. So I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sarah Dysack. She was really interesting. I just like I had a list of questions that I wanted to ask her. Um, and I find my favorite interviews ever are the ones where my list of questions is basically rendered useless because I'm so engrossed in the conversation that I just have things that come up naturally that I want to ask, which is what happened with her. So um, it might have been a bit... Um, bit of a meander a bit all over the place but I just there were things I just genuinely wanted to know from her so that's what I did um thanks for listening we have how many more episodes in this season I think we're going to do four more maybe five more and then we're going to have a little break and then we're going to come back for season two I mean look we're, we're going to have like 70 something episodes by then so it's not going to really be season two but you get you get what I'm what I'm getting at um so yeah, thanks again for listening and until next week, stay safe, have fun, bye. No.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.